right, we're, we're, uh, we're back in 2 Corinthians, wide open spaces, and uh, I started this message a couple of weeks ago on, called The Brand New You, and we're going through passages in 2 Corinthians. There are principles and concepts that Paul gives us in this uh, incredible book that I think free our soul to be everything that God has called us to be. And I started this message uh, two weeks ago, and, and I, I literally was just going after this idea and looked up, and there was six minutes left, and I was only halfway through. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I, I want to go back to this passage, and I'm actually going to back up a little bit and, and start over again. Uh, so some of the things that I say today uh, at the beginning were the things that I was saying a couple of weeks ago, but I actually can't think of an idea that could have a bigger impact on our world than understanding our identity in Christ and what, and what God has done for us. So I, I realize that probably whoever is here today uh, 25% of you weren't here two weeks ago, uh, maybe more, and then there are always new people that are here, and then there are some people who need to hear it more than once to get it. Anybody, anybody in that number? Come on, just be honest. You got to hear it more than once to get it sometimes. So, uh, so I'm, I'm doing this because I felt like the Lord wanted me to, and that's always the trump card, right, isn't it? So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to read a few verses to you, and I don't want to talk about something that I think is pretty important, the brand new you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, according to natural observation, just information that we can naturally observe about them. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh in the natural way, in just pieces of information, yet now we know him, Jesus, in that way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. They're gone. Behold, new things. Anybody like new things? Come on. New things have come. And then down to verse uh, 21, he made, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I, I was listening to... Um, a teacher the other day who, who made a comment that really has stuck with me. And they were saying, uh, for people who are entrepreneurial or people who own a business, that the, the, the main thing that either causes their business to grow or not grow is 80% the psychology of the owner and 20% strategy and plans. And and it really struck a chord with me, and it's actually going to be a part of what I want to talk about next week as well. But I, I started to think about this idea that 
Sometimes I think we're looking for a method, and sometimes I think we're looking for a plan or a system, and, and we work hard on that kind of stuff around here to try to get it right. But, but the truth is, I think sometimes we think if I found this plan, or if I found this system, or if I found this idea, it would resolve the issues of my life. It would help me move into wide open spaces, if you will. It would help me move into great places, but the reality is, is your sense of identity is going to have far more to do with how you move forward in life than it is certain plans or systems or strategies. Your sense of identity, who do you think you are, is going to be absolutely essential. That great theologian, W.C. Fields, said this, it ain't what they call you, but what you answer to that matters. And, and I, the thing I want us to think about today and, is this idea. Who do you think you are? Uh, when you know who you are, then you will act out of who you think you are. You will believe, you will respond, you will think out of who you really are. And this passage is giving to us, I think, a pretty profound idea that when you find who you really are is when you find who you are when you're in Christ. When your life is hidden with Christ in God, and I say this a lot, and I think it's, I think it's true. You, when you find God, you can start to find yourself. And I realize that there are some people who have found God, but they still are on a journey to find themselves. And I taught this series of messages, uh, I forget, sometime back, about, uh, the, about the fact that you and I are literally the supporting cast for the story of our life. And a lot of times we think, I'm the star of my show. <laughs> you know, I'm the star of my life and, and it's all about me. But I want to say to you that a far better life, a far bigger life, a far fuller life is found when you realize that you're not the star of the show. Jesus is the star of the show, and if you will play supporting cast to Jesus, if you will hide yourself in him, if you will follow in his coattails, if you will, if you will recognize who you are in him, you're going to have a far greater life than you being the star asking God to bless you, because God has blessed everything that Jesus is right? And so, so this passage tells us something that I really want to hammer this nail hard because I think, it's, I think it's a vital thing for us to understand. It says, we used to know Jesus by information, but now we know him by revelation. We, you know, we used to have some information that we, that we put together about Jesus but now we have this, this aha that makes us realize 
that he's the son of God, that he's actually the center of God's plan for everything, that he's not just a person that walked on the earth, but he is the eternal son of God. He is, he is the one that by whom and through whom and for whom all things were created. I mean, he, he's more than just a guy that lived 33 years and taught some cool stuff, and we're comparing his teaching to somebody else's teaching. He's God, and we don't get that just by information. You get that by revelation. There, where the Holy Spirit reveals to you, and you all of a sudden get this, aha, and I want to submit to you, and I, I, I want us to get this idea that the whole way that God's kingdom works and the whole way that we understand the ways of God is not by information, but it's by revelation. You know, it, it doesn't come by just natural observation it comes, it comes by a revelation. When you get, I, I think the revelation of prayer would cause praying to happen. And if it's just information, that's not enough to move us off of our already established schedule. There's got to be a revelation of what the purpose and the power of prayer really is. If you get a revelation on honoring God with your tithe, you're not just thinking information. You're not just saying, well, I like where my money goes, so therefore I'll, I'll give it this way. But when you've got a revelation of generosity, when you've got a revelation of honoring God with tithe, if you've got a revelation of going above and beyond that, you, generosity comes by revelation. It, it can't come by information. You can't just calculate numbers and go, okay, I could, I could do away with these numbers because sometimes God is going to ask you to do something that doesn't make sense information-wise, but a revelation will cause you to step in and go, okay, I'm going to obey God, and this is so tied to my heart, and when I release it, I'm going to find that I'm living in God's economy rather than the world's economy. Anybody follow me on this one? So, information is one thing. Revelation is another thing. And we're not living by just information. We're living by revelation, which is our spirit knowing something. Your spirit knows something your mind has not caught up to yet. It doesn't mean that you throw your mind away. You use your mind for sure. But how many of you know your mind is not that big? Come on, it's true. I've met most of you, and I know. And it's true of all of us. Of all things there is to know, honestly, how much do you know? Just a pin dot. In all information, I'm going to encourage you to understand that if you live by revelation instead of by information, you don't have to be anything great. You just have to get a revelation of the ways of God, and you can start walking in the blessing of God. So Jesus and Peter have this conversation where Peter says to, uh, where Jesus says to Peter. 
who do people say that I am? And he says, you know, some say Elijah, some say this, some say that, some of the prophets. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? He says, well, I say that you're the, the Christ, the son of the living God. And he goes, my father revealed that to you. You got a revelation of here he's got Jesus walking in, he's smelling Jesus' sweat, right? Or whatever smells you smell off of a man walking around in the Middle East. Let your imagination run wild for a moment. <laughs> And understand that probably it took more of a revelation for Peter than it would for us. And he says, and, and what this passage is telling us is this, though. We used to know Jesus by information, but now we know him by revelation. And we used to know who we were by information, but now we can know ourselves by revelation. In other words, it is important to know who Jesus is. But the next step is you got to know who you are in him. I think everybody in this room, myself included, has a, a lot of wide open space to move into if we would really begin to understand that when we come into Christ, our upbringing doesn't matter so much. Our history doesn't matter so much. The economy around us doesn't matter so much. The issues of the day don't matter so much because when I come into Christ, it's not just information about me, but I'm given a new identity. I'm given a new name. The Bible says I literally become a new creation. Now, I'm not just Kirk Bowman who decided to quit kicking the cat. Amen. I don't not kick cats because I don't want to. It's because they're so fast. They slice me to shreds. But literally, I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Old driving habits are passed away. Old poverty passes away. Come on. Old family issues. Anybody got any family issues? Come on. If you got a family, you got issues. <laughs> right? And, you know, you go to the doctor and they will ask you, well, let me get your family history. Because they know that that will trend into you. And I remember a moment early on in my relationship with the Lord that where the Holy Spirit really spoke to me in a moment of worship and prayer, honestly. It said, 
you are John Bowman's son, but you're not really John Bowman's son any longer. That's not your definition. You, you are in Christ. I got to get moving or I'm going to run out of time on this, this and not even get to my new stuff here, right? You literally become a new creation. So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, he's a new creation, he's a new species of being. The Greek would tell us, old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. It's not just the same version of you that now goes to church. It, it's not just you, you stop smoking, you stop drinking, you stop cussing. You, it, 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 something powerful has happened in, in your life when you come into Christ. And when you come into Christ, you're given this brand new name, this brand new identity that is incredible Isaiah 62 says this verses 1 through 3 for Zion's sake I will not keep silent that's why we're praying by the way for Jerusalem's sake I'll not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning the nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. And you will be called by a new name. Everybody say a new name. Which the mouth of the Lord will designate. You'll, you'll be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. And a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And I know I talk about this often. But it just is such a powerful concept to me. That you are given a new name. A new identity. Uh, you know, Simon Peter who was once read, that's what Simon meant, is now called Peter, who is, who is rock. So Simon, who was moved around by every little wind and opinion and stuff, Jesus knew that he needed someone who, who was more stable than that because he was going to build his church on, and this is the way he builds his church today, on people right and he says you're no longer this is no longer your identity in Christ you used to be Simon but now your identity is Peter in the in the Old Testament there was a man named Jacob and Jacob was a conniver Jacob was a deceiver Jacob was a, a heel grabber he was always trying to grab for somebody else's stuff he you know and he had a brother Esau and he was so jealous of Esau and he, he even tried to act like he was Esau in front of his dad and God has a, a wrestling match with Jacob and Jacob's name, his identity is changed from Jacob to Israel. The deceiver now becomes Israel who's the prince. Come on, a new creation has taken place. Abram, who used to be childless, his name is changed to Abraham which it, who, be, who is the father of nations. His wife, Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, who used to be childless, 
is now Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, who becomes the mother of Isaac, the child of promise. Saul, who was the accuser and the persecutor of the church, now has his name changed, his identity changed. He's a new creation. Now he's Paul. He's an apostle instead of an accuser. He's a, he's a messenger of good news. He, our understanding of the grace of God, which we all love so much, came through the spirit and the mind and the writing of the apostle Paul. Thank God for the apostle Paul. Amen. But God took a man who was destroying the church and turned him into a man who was building the church. He became a new creation. Timothy, who was timid and fearful, is transformed into a young man that is filled with the spirit of love and power and a sound mind in Christ. Gideon, who was cynical and doubtful and fearful, now becomes, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. It, he's, he's a different guy now. He's a, he's a new creation. God sees him in Christ. If you would have gathered information about Gideon and just, just built your picture of Gideon out of information, you would have thought, this guy is weak, this guy is scared, this guy is never going to accomplish anything in his life. He's a loser. He's from a family of losers. That's who he is. That's his name. That's his identity. That's his picture. And the Lord shows up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God saw him different than the information that had been accumulating in his life. Come on, anybody hear what I'm saying to you today? David is a, is a good-looking young shepherd boy playing an instrument out in the field and just, you know, tending to the sheep. And all of a sudden, the prophet Samuel comes and finds David after a series of events, pours oil on his head. Now he's a new creation. He's the king of the nation. And my, my, my question for us today is what name are you answering to? What picture of yourself are you living by? Because God has an image of you and a picture of you that's in Christ. He sees a different picture than other people see. He sees a different picture than your mama sees. He sees a different picture than sometimes you carry around. He sees you in the light of your prophetic potential. He sees you in the light of who you are in Christ. And the reason I'm, I'm so adamant about this message is I think it's time for some of us to tear up some of those old pictures and quit playing the reruns over and over and over and over again, and let's, let's write some new episodes. Let's write some new chapters to this book. I just want to announce to you that failure is not your name. And I know that everybody in this room has failed somehow, some way in life. We've, we've either failed by tr in trying or we've failed by not trying. Or we've given up from failing by trying and that we've said, I'm not going to try anymore. But 
Failure is not your name. Failure is not your identity in Christ. Forgiven is your name. Redeemed is your name. Overcomer is your name. More than a conqueror is your name. Reigning in life is your name. And it's, 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 a, it's a revelation to get, right? Fa- failure is not who you are. And I don't know what, how you think about yourself, but I'd be willing to bet there'd be a decent number of us that will be in this service and the next who would have this picture of, of ourselves that I'm trying, but I'm just kind of okay maybe. Failure is not who you are. Failure might have been something you did, but it's not who you are. And I want you to know that if you haven't failed at all, that means you haven't tried. Because <laughs> as soon as you try something new, you're going to fail. That's just a part of the deal. But failing doesn't make you a failure. Quitting does. I think failure is a part of life. It, it doesn't need to be an identity. Failure is, you learn from failure, you, you, you learn how to recover from failure. Somehow the, in the getting up, you become a better person than ever. You, 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 you learn the grace of God, the faithfulness of God. You learn the power of the word of God. Come on, the, 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 the story is told of Thomas Edison who invented the light bulb. The story is told that 10,000 attempts, 10,000. Some people would have looked at those, each attempt, and said, he failed. Some people would have, would have stopped after 3,000 tries. Some people would have stopped after 5,000 tries. One of his failures, somebody said, why don't you just give up? This is, this is just an utter failure. He said, that's not a failure. This is an education. Because of the way he saw himself, he, there was an occasion one time in trying to develop the light bulb that they set his house on fire and burned the whole house down. And he just stood back and he, he called all of his friends and said, hey, everybody, come see this. Because he knew in his heart I'm just going to build it better again. I didn't let failure get in my soul. I didn't let my house burn down, get in my life, but I, I, I moved on. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do. Come on, Walt Disney, who created the happiest place on earth, oh, second than church, <laughs> in his efforts to fulfill the dream that was in him, he went bankrupt seven times. Come on. Just because you failed a couple of times, that's not your name. That's not your identity. That's just a lesson on the way. Abraham Lincoln, I don't even, I'm not even going to put up the list of all the failures of Abraham Lincoln as he sought office, as he sought uh, different places to serve, and defeated, 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 finally elected president. And becomes one of the greatest presidents that our country has ever known. Come on, I, I don't want anybody to get this picture of themselves as some kind of failure. Because 
The truth is, the Bible is full of failures who succeeded. David, the man after God's own heart, failed miserably when he should have been out to war and he's on his rooftop and here's this good-looking woman on the, on the next building who has taken a bath and he sees her and he calls for her to come and he's the king and he has the authority and he sleeps with her and she gets pregnant and then when he finds out she's pregnant, he tries to get the guy, her husband Uriah, killed. I mean, this, this is not, this would make great front news citizen times. But that's not all of David's story. That's a chapter of David's story. That's a, that's a scene. It's a picture, but your story is not a picture. You're, you, you are a movie with a lot of scenes that, that happen. Moses has this amazing call from God, and he, he's killing Egyptians, and he spends 40 years of his life on the backside of the desert. He was a man who failed, but eventually succeeded. Abraham, who is given this promise from God, gets a little impatient, after, who wouldn't, after 20 years, 25 years, and goes in and sleeps with the handmaiden of his wife, and they give birth to, an, to Ishmael, who has all kinds of trouble. But we look at Abraham now, and we, we have this amazing story. Peter, the apostle, who we talk about him all the time now, but there was a moment where he, people, little, little slave girls around a, a fire were going, you know him, don't you? And he's going, no, 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 not me, not me. He, he denied Jesus. That was just a failure. Come on, Paul, who was Saul, was killing Christians. I just want to say that that failure is not your final picture. There, there is a person that you are in Christ. Genesis 35 is a great story that I love about being named right, letting, letting your heavenly father name you and not somebody who doesn't have the real ability to do it. They, Jacob and uh, Rachel, journeyed from Bethel, and when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth. She suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, do not fear, for now you have another son. But it came about as her soul was departing, literally she died in childbirth, she named her son Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. But his father stepped in and said, I'm giving you a new name. You, we're not putting that tag on you. We're not putting that title on you. I'm naming you Benjamin, son of my right hand. And I just want to suggest that I believe some of us have been named, labeled on the basis of another person's calamity, right? It might have been your dad or your mom, and, and maybe they were doing the best they could do, but they put a name, they put an identity on you that has nothing to do with you. I found that people love to project their issues onto you. Amen. And if you don't believe it, try being a pastor for a little while and see if you don't see that people want to project their issues onto you. But maybe it was a boss. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was an ex-spouse. 
Or maybe it's even you that is, that is putting the wrong name, the wrong identity. And I might, what I'm all about today is to say to you, it's time that we let God tell us who we are. Not the information about our circumstances, not the information about our past, not the information of someone who is totally unqualified, who really doesn't even know what God's put in you and on you. I'm encouraging you to accept a name change, to, ex- to embrace your new creation identity. One last thought, and then I want to pray. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We read it earlier, but it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Man, there's a lot of people that would have a theology that doesn't quite fit this verse because They're still singing songs about such a worm as I. And and the, uh, the concept is this. They're still thinking, I'm just a sinner trying to do my best. But I think the revelation is to understand that I'm not just a a sinner trying to be good. I'm the righteousness of God, and sin is sometimes trying to drag me down. I'm talking about who do you think you are? Because and maybe it used to be that your name was sinner, but now in God's eyes, your name, when you accept Christ, is righteous. You maybe used to have an identity of sick, but now your identity is healed and sickness is trying to pull you down. Maybe you had an identity of aimless, but now your identity, called with purpose. Come on, maybe your identity before was depressed and forlorn, but now your identity is joy. Maybe your identity in the past was angry, irritated, but now your identity is you got peaceful spirit. Maybe your identity has been failure, but now your identity is overcomer. Maybe your identity has been poverty, but now your identity is flourishing. Maybe your identity in the past has been hard luck. Nothing ever goes my way. But now your identity in Christ, grace on top of grace, is favor, is on your life Not because you're good, but because he's good. Come on. You in Christ is a brand new creation, a new species of being. I want to pray with you today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Father, we come before you today. What an amazing incredible promise you have given to us. What a position you have granted us to not by any merit of our own, but to stand as the righteousness of God. 
because of Jesus. I'm praying for every person in this room. We're all battling the pictures. We're all battling the identity. I'm praying that the revelation of who we really are in Christ will come alive for every one of us. I want to take this moment. Maybe you're here today. You've never actually come to Christ. Maybe you've never actually given your life to him. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you used to be so close to God, but now you know you're not. You've drifted away or you've let something come in between you and the Lord. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand. I, just, I want to pray with you today. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to come back to him. You want to be sure you're right with him. And nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. And maybe more important than me praying with you is for you just to signal to God. So I'm going to ask you to do that. I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. Just lift your hand real high. And leave it up for just a moment. Let me see you. Come on, to give my life to Christ. I'm going to come back to Christ. Come on, you weren't meant to live life in your own strength. You, it, you plus Christ, you in Christ, is going to be the best life that you could possibly live. Is there anybody else that just say, yeah, I'm going to open my heart to Jesus? Thank you. I want us to pray this prayer together. I know sometimes not everyone lifts their hand, but there were hands that, all over the room. This is for you, but we're all going to pray it together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I welcome you into my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I've fallen short. I've messed up. But I come to the cross where forgiveness is mine. I accept the gift of righteousness. I accept the gift of favor. I accept the gift of your love. Jesus, be my Lord and help me become the person you created me to be. Come on, let's thank the Lord together. Would you do it?